This episode of the Northeast Newscast was made possible by Shemeika's Online Market in Delhi and Seaburg Mufflers. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. On this week's episode, we're joined by Justin Shore, a candidate for City Council's 4th District at Large. Thanks for joining me today. Of course, Abby. I'm, I'm super grateful to be here. Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Enjoying a, a break from the hotness. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Welcome to Northeast. Um, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's great. I love, I love the new space. Um, my name is Justin Short, uh, born and raised in the Northland, um, downtown transplanted, um, and I am running for the 4th District at large, so I'm running for Catherine Shields' open seat. That's great. Um, moving from the Northland mm. to downtown, what are some things about Kansas City that you know your perspective was changed on? I think my perspective changed on a lot of things, and I think that, that comes from just growing up and having different experiences. I mean, my life as a suburban kid in the Northland, you know, getting his Eagle Scout at Platwoods United Methodist and doing all the things that a suburban kid does, um, and then living downtown, it it changed my experience. You know, I don't have to drive everywhere. I do see the inequities that we have in this city. I do see the issues that we have in infrastructure. I see those things because now I'm experiencing them as a resident. So um, it definitely shaped my perspective. And even even from a young person, when we would go, like my very first concert ever was the Backstreet Boys. I know. Hear me out. I know. It, it was. <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, but it was wonderful. But it was at the Kemper Arena. We were went to Kemper and we left. And as a kid, that is my that is how I remember downtown. And so to now live downtown um in a high-rise apartment building um that I now manage as well. Um I can take a left or right outside of my building and have a myriad of things to do. So it's also shifted my perspective in that way in the growth that our city has had. We've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. But these things would have been a pipe dream in 2003, 2002. So to see the city um, grow has been really exciting. For sure. I also grew up in Kansas City, but out south, you know, 125th and Warnell area. Mm. And I do not remember coming downtown as a kid. There was nothing to do for families, really. No. Um, and now I take my dog to the dog park. We walk along Berkeley Riverfront, go to the river market. And I'm able to take the streetcar to most of that stuff, you know, from Union Station, where there's so many activities for families. It's amazing the growth that downtown has. Um, It's also amazing the growth that areas like Northeast that are in North Kansas City and all those areas that get to benefit from the downtown growth, they've also seen. Mm -hmm. I guess what brought you back to Kansas City, right? Because you were um, living here part-time for a while, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I worked on a cruise ship for seven years. I was a cruise director, so director of entertainment. Nice. And I was I was back and forth from Kansas City. I'd be out at sea for four months, back for two, out for six, back for three. Um, and I had my little tiny apartment in Midtown. You know, the, the Midtown growth has been amazing to watch as well. Um, and I think for me... What brought me back to Kansas City was I always knew that I had political aspirations. I always knew this was something I was going to do. I did. I just didn't have the wherewithal to find out or or figure out when. Um, my passion was never for the county. It was never for the state. It's always been for the city. And it came from me watching the city grow to what it is today. 
that passion came from there. And so I knew I wanted to be a part of it. I just didn't know when. And I got a job. I got a job offer at the Kansas City Marriott downtown that I just couldn't turn down. It's one of those jobs that you're like, ah, I guess we're I guess we're <laughs> home now. Uh, but, you know, the, and then the world ended in March of 2020 and, and my job became irrelevant. And so through that forced reorganization of my life, it really kind of made me realign the other priorities because I had always thought 2030 was going to be my time frame to run for office. Uh, but but these pieces of, of things kept falling into place. And I was luckily, luckily enough, lucky enough to be able to be appointed by Catherine Shields and the mayor and Eric Bunch to um, LGBTQ commission as the district four representative. So then I took a nosedive into the political scene that I had always been paying attention to. I'd always been, you know, paying attention to what was going on around Kansas city. And, um, and then I kind of realized, why are we waiting? What is the purpose of waiting to do this? Kansas city can benefit from younger, fresher ideas and perspectives and collaborative effort, um, that I don't think we're seeing right now. Um, to the best of its ability. So I think that's a long, long answer to your question. But coming back to Kansas City was very important to me. Kansas City is my home. No iteration of my future included anything other than Kansas City. Now, whether I was going into public service, that was never a question either. It just was when. You know, it is such a blessing to love where you're from. Mm-hmm. I've lived all over the country and People don't always like their hometowns, mm. you know, but you walk around Kansas City and you see people who live here wearing tourist shirts, mm-hmm. you know, I heart Kansas City or, you know, whatever funny slogan the barbecue restaurants come up with. And it's so great to have so many homegrown people here that want to serve an office. And you're absolutely right. And I've I've said through my travels, because I as a young person, to be able to say that I have seen a lot of the planet, I, that fact is not lost on me. It is a wonderful thing to be able to say. But I've always said there's no better sentence in the world than when you're landing and the pilot says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Kansas City. <laughs> it fills me with joy. And then you get to take that drive down across the Broadway Bridge and you get to see the skyline. And, and it is for me, it is a magical place. And I think that that passion and love is going to serve, serve me very well. But, but you're right. This, this, there is a magic here. There's a feeling here that is, it's tough to describe to people and I'm excited, excited to be part of its next phase. Why did you choose to live in what is currently the fourth district? Well, I'll just be honest with you. I got a job at a high-rise apartment building as a leasing agent, worked my way up there. Um, and then, uh, you know, with that comes a pretty hefty discount for, for housing. And so that was really kind of the catalyst. But I let's be honest, I've also always wanted to live in a high-rise downtown. It has always been a dream of mine. It's always been something that I've wanted to do. You know, I was real close with Midtown. I could see it from my window, <laughs> but I wasn't quite there. And so as the opportunity presented itself, it was, it was a no-brainer. And I think, as I alluded to earlier, the amount of things that we are close to, especially at my building... You know, I can, I am two blocks from the river market. I'm three blocks from power and light. I'm a block away from the streetcar stop. Like I have access to all the things that our city has to offer. Um, but then just the culture and the arts of the city, especially in the Northeast and down in the West side, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there because I'm so close to it now. 
And so that, that has been a wonderful experience as well. For sure. We, um, after we moved back from New York, we lived in Quality Hill mm. and then eventually found a house in Northeast. You know, it's one of the last affordable places in Kansas City yeah. to find housing. But um, I don't really miss downtown because I can still go. Mm-hmm. It's five minutes, ten minutes away to all my favorite restaurants. You know, not that I don't frequent the restaurants in the avenue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I loved the um, all the action that's happening in the 4th District. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the district as a whole, what are some of our strengths? I know we're kind of talking about the entertainment, the activities, all that, but what really makes it special for you? I think, you know, you hear all the time, live, work, and play, okay? So we have residential, we have office, we have parks, recreation, uh, entertainment, all that stuff. But what gets people to stay? What's the fourth piece? What keeps people in the fourth district? And I think that is... Um, it goes, it feeds into that convention, tourism, arts, culture that we've got. I mean, if you go to the West Side, you can experience things that you never thought you would in terms of a culinary and arts experience. If you go to Columbus Park, you can experience things that you never thought you would in terms of a culinary and arts experience. I mean, these are wonderful things about the fourth district that are often lost on people that don't live here or, or aren't familiar with it. And I think you also, from like a municipal standpoint, obviously I have to think about things in, in multiple hats. You know, the 4th District is the economic driver for the city. And so when you look at, you know, tax revenue per square foot, I mean, you're, you, you, this is in a very important place for Kansas City. And so continuing to invest in its growth, um, which we are doing, um, is one of its strengths because it adds to the things that we want to do in the future in terms of um, social equities and things like that that we all need to be doing. Um, so, so I think that that is, I think that all ties into its strengths. I mean, you know, you can look at the physical space itself, which is a strength, but then you can look at that fourth piece that I always like to talk about the stay. What, what gets people to stay? Absolutely. And it's hard to talk about all the great things without also recognizing, like you were saying, the inequities that are so mm-hmm. visible downtown and in Northeast and on the West Side. You know, what are some of those things that we need to be focused on improving? I think that for a period of time, when we're looking at the renaissance of Kansas City, the renaissance of the 4th District, the renaissance of downtown, how it came from what it was to what it is now, I think those things had to happen to then start to branch out in other places. But now's the time to be doing that branching out. And I don't know if we have been doing that in a way that is um, seen by all the areas of the city. I'm encouraged by the work that's happening on 18th and Vine, but it's almost a decade late, right? I'm encouraged by the stuff, by the folks at Westside Can and the the people that are doing work over there. But again, it's far behind where we should be and, and what we should be doing. Now, I don't have all the answers to that, but what I can tell you is that I have the wherewithal enough to sit down with these folks and get a plan made. And I think that... You know, the downtown, of course, it has a master plan. It has its area plan. It has the fourth district on the whole has those plans. We need to be sticking to those plans. We need to be continuing to investing in in the areas which you and I both know have had historical deinvestment. And how do we get those neighborhoods to look like what we're seeing downtown? Now, even downtown, 
I, I mean, at ninth and, uh, excuse me, 10th and Walnut, we had a water main break because it was almost 90 years old. Okay, these are real problems with infrastructure yeah. under our city. And so, again, I don't have all the answers. I can't sit here and say, well, here's what I'm going to do. But what I am going to do is make sure that we come up with some sort of plan to address the issues that we are having. You know, I... um so I think you, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the weaknesses, you know, certainly infrastructure, um, investment in other areas, you know, and you always hear all the time, well, development is hard in certain places. Well, I believe that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. If we're building, you know, amazing build, if vertical, if we're having vertical growth, you know, in the downtown core, we can certainly do, uh, mid-rise growth in the Northeast and, and single family growth and reinvestment. I mean, we're talking about turning over um, abandoned property, things like that. But also, <laughs> I know we're getting into the weeds here, but <laughs> small business initiatives that we have been lacking. There's a great organization called Startland who's doing some wonderful work, and they need help to keep these businesses growing and moving um, because we do, we do in this city need the next Cafe Cafe. We need the next Homebase AI. We need the next... Um, Cerner, for example, I mean, where are those ideas? Where's that innovation? How do we spark that growth in this area that then benefits all six districts of Kansas City? That was a really long answer. <laughs> I apologize. And, you know, that, that applies. How do we attract, you know, businesses to Kansas City? And like you were saying, make them stay mm. without giving them massive incentives, you know? <laughs> well. You know, we we live in Kansas City. We've been burned before. We get it. But um, I saw you were at the Fourth uh, District PIAC meeting last mm-hmm, night. Mm-hmm. You said you don't have all the answers, but people in the neighborhood might. You know, what's so important about hearing those conversations that are coming from actual residents and organizations who live and work here every day? I think you've touched on something that I've been trying to drive home, uh, which is. Somebody asked me the other day, why are you going to all these PIAC meetings? I said, why would I not? Now, for those of you who don't know what PIAC is, it's Public Improvement Advisory Committee. Basically, there's a certain amount of funding every year that goes to projects in in the districts. And they have these hearings where the public comes and presents. What better way to learn about, one, infrastructure issues, because we know that this city doesn't have the capacity to find all of them all the time. We know that. It's not a secret. Uh, and then also, what is priority to the neighborhood? Because you have wonderful city planners and engineers at the city, but and they may do studies and things that say that certain things are priorities, but we need to be listening to the people who live, work, and play, and stay um, in all of these areas. And what better way to do that than a PIAC forum? And so hearing about hearing these ideas and hearing what people have to say about what's important to their districts in terms of because it goes beyond just infrastructure. It's also their parks and their trails and their those things as well. Those are all incredibly important. And to be able to listen to those people um, is how we get it done, because the city and city officials do not need to reinvent the wheel. I cannot possibly know everything there is to know about everything all the time. That's not what I'm here for. What I am here for is to listen to the people who are doing the work and to bring those people, to connect those people to the people that are making the decisions and are implementing the work. Because 
the idea that I know everything is erroneous, but to be able to listen and to learn is so important, which is why I think our campaign is is uh, set up for that type of success. Absolutely. And for anybody who's listening, um, who maybe wants to give input on these PIAC proposals, there are upcoming dates for both third and fourth district, uh, virtual and in person. Uh, and that information can be found at northeastnews.net. But it is so important that people are engaged and show up and show support for these proposals. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, these are things, it's public improvement. It's benefit for everyone. So... And it's a, it's 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 not a little bit of money. Like it's, I think the twenty twenty one allocation was four point two three million dollars. This is a lot of money. And if you have a project that needs to be staged out, you can ask for funding over multiple years. You know, it's not it's not an immediate fix, but it is a, is a step in the right direction. And projects, let's be honest, projects that have a lot of letter support, that have financial backing from other institutions, public private partnerships, they get more attention. So yeah, exactly. It is important to show up and and speak on your concerns. There are ways to get things done. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, you seem pretty passionate about PIAC and some of Mm. the other public funding mechanisms. We were talking before um, we started recording that you are kind of, you're interested in sharing those options Mm -hmm. with Kansas Cityans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, like, I won't give away any examples, but last night at the PIAC meeting, there was somebody there who was looking for programming funding for a block party they were having. Um, well, PIAC doesn't do that. Programming funding comes from NTDF, Neighborhood Tourism and Development Fund. And so I think that there's an avenue to educate those people more because this person did get up there on stage and they say, I, I didn't know I was supposed to have a presentation or anything like that. I think the general public doesn't know. And I think the city can do a better job of having an education series. And I think that we we as a campaign are certainly going to be doing that. But certainly my role as an elected would be to get that information pushed out more than it already is, because like you just said, Abby, there are ways to get things done. The average person who is busy running their life may not have the knowledge to get, know how to get those things done. So that is definitely something that is important to me. Great. It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shemekas Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemekasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974. Armor Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. And now back to the newscast. So let's talk a little bit about um, your other campaign priorities. You know, Mm. what are kind of the bullet points if somebody wants to know what your campaign is about? Well, uh, great question. Um, So I think, you know, development's pretty clear for me. infill development, um, growing our city physically is important. And here's why. Our city grew too big too fast. Okay, We don't have the tax revenue to support what we've got. We have to keep building density to increase the tax revenue to support the infrastructure that we built. I think that's pretty clear. Now, not every development is a good development. And I think, you know, you brought up incentives and there's a whole conversation to be had around that. We can certainly have that. I mean, luxury housing is great, but we also need to be focusing on affordable housing and below market rate housing. We have to. We don't have a choice. We don't want to get to ourselves in a situation like other cities where it's too late. 
Um, the second one for me is climate action. We have a responsibility as elected officials to protect our city for future generations. Nobody can change my mind about that. Uh, third is transportation. Um, it is essential that we enhance, reorganize, and re-up our commitment to public transit transportation in this city. Now, uh, KCATA is making some adjustments um, in terms of its routes, and I know that there's been some issues with that, and um, we will be we're going to be working on that. Now, hopefully, that will be sorted out by the time I get to the office in in, in 20, late 2023. However, it's something that we're going to be looking at: getting that streetcar into North Kansas City, getting that streetcar going east to west, whatever that looks like. Those things are important. To me, um, there's some really great ideas around microtransit, which is essentially like um, rideshare that would be operated by KCATA. Those things are things that I definitely want to be looking at. Multimodal transit, you know, I know that there are people who say that we shouldn't be building bike lanes when we have crumbling sidewalks. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. However, I do think that there's an avenue to do both um, because we need to enhance the we need to enhance the way that people get to where they're going, especially if people are going to and from work. How do people get there? You know, from the avenue. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do on Independence Avenue to increase and enhance pedestrian safety, cycle safety, rider safety, etc. And we're going to be looking at those things. Um, and then I think the fourth one, you know, kind of ties into all of it, but it's the equitable piece. You know, our city has made great strides, but not for everybody. So how do we get to that point and what does that look like? There are people doing the work who are much smarter and much more knowledgeable than me. And I look forward to working with them to advance our city in that way. That's great. And, you know, one of the things that we appreciate so much about Northeast is our diversity. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean everybody's living a safe and comfortable life, right. you know, here. we. Some people have just, you know, say, for example, some of our refugees have just been placed here and they are not as connected as they could be. Um, that's one of our main priorities here at the Northeast News is connecting all of these communities, making Kansas Cityans feel included and heard, especially in their neighborhoods they live in. I think that's um, a great priority. And uh, so go ahead. Uh, Hopping back to transportation, mm -hmm. that was a lot. That's, that's great. Um, I love that you said hopping back, by the way. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the zero fare transit? Um, I'm a fan. Um, I think that it should stay. I think whatever avenue um, we can. Now, now, people will argue on both sides. Does it really matter? We'd rather pay and have a reliable service. Again, I think there's an avenue that people can get what they want. But having a zero barrier transit system, I think, um, enhances what we're trying to do in terms of moving people where they need to go. Now, if the issue is, you know, buses, et cetera, aren't showing up on time or not showing up at all, that's that's something we can address. But I don't want to address that at the expense of zero fare. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So talking about your priorities, um, talking about climate action. Mm. How do we make sustainable living affordable for people who live in Kansas City? Um, I think that the answer to that question lies in a lot of public, private, federal partnership. You know, right now we're seeing with Solarize Case, you know, some of the 
um, some of the abilities that you have to get solar in your home. But again, my que- and that's a good thing. I'm not arguing that that's not a good thing. However, my question is, for a majority of the residents, I would wager to bet in the Northeast, West Side, et cetera, it's cost prohibitive anyway, because you're still paying for it over a period of time. Now, in 10 years when it's paid for himself, for itself and you no longer have, have an energy bill, that's a great thing. But there are, again, what I will say is there are cities around the country that are doing great work in the energy equity space. Kansas City doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. We need to figure out what they're doing, what they're doing, and how they're doing it, i.e., there are some cities doing wonderful work with, they basically, the city becomes a bulk purchaser of HVAC systems or insulator or whatever. And the city can then, through a grant program that obviously, you know, would be low cost or no barrier to residents, can upgrade their homes in the energy efficiency space. Because what we know from a climate action standpoint is that the killers of the environment are heaters, air conditioners, and cars, okay? All things we need, arguably, right? So how do we upgrade people's aging HVAC systems to be more energy efficient? How do we do things in the fourth district with with simply green infrastructure, planting trees to reduce our heat island so that those costs do go down on the whole? I mean, I I was... I gave kind of a climate action plan in an interview I did recently, and the only part they picked out was painting roofs white, which is <laughs> fine, but, like, painting buildings downtown white to reflect heat instead of absorb it, these are things that have almost 25% efficiency rates, so or improvement rates. So it's not small stuff. It was kind of, you know, it's kind of missed, you know, missed the mark. You know, I have but, a lot of friends who live down in Columbus Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually pet-sitting down there right now, so I've kind of gotten to... Pretend I'm living down there for a week, yeah. which is always fun. But they are just baking down there mm. in the summer. I mean, you know, they're kind of on that little island between mm-hmm. the highways and downtown. And they don't have very many um, old trees Mm-mm. anymore because of development, sidewalks, whatever. You know, over the years, they're not left with many large trees. What? Do, oh, how do we come up with solutions that work for both our urban areas and our suburban areas. You know, not the same thing works for everyone, right? No, it certainly doesn't. It certainly doesn't. And I think um, I, I have seen a lot of vertical projects move forward, and even some that have, because I'm on the Downtown Neighborhood Association, I have seen some projects come to us that do not have any sort of green plan for the sidewalks that they touch or the boulevards that they touch. And this is disappointing. And I think that we as a city can be making changes to our development codes and zoning codes that says, listen, you're going to have to start including these in your proposals. I know it's more expensive. But listen, people in Columbus Park can't find a tree for two blocks. This is a problem. You know, I am hopeful that if we do those things, when Columbus Park does get its renaissance, which we all know is going to happen, it's it's going to happen, it's slow slow moving, (laughs) but we're going to get there, then those things could happen organically. And that's kind of what I want to see with that. Now, when we look through the neighborhoods of the city, you know, it is easy for public works, spire, et cetera, to come rip them out instead of 
repairing the sidewalks, rechanging the root system, et cetera, those kinds of things. And I think that that has done a disservice to our city. I'm a tree guy, right? Uh, put them up. <laughs> Let's plant 800 of them. I don't care. Absolutely. And so that's where I'm at with that. You know, it's common to see um, candidates out and about during election season. Mm. If you're elected, what commitments will you make to showing up and listening to your constituents? I mean, that's such a good question. I I always tell my boss, she, she doesn't quite think this is as funny as I do, but <laughs> I always say that on June 6th, if just in short, if that box is checked, that's my two weeks. She, she kind of, you know, rolls her eyes. But um, I, it, Kansas City will be my full-time job. It has to be, especially someone running at large. I don't know how you can have another job and do the job that is the city. So then saying that, I'm able to say, if the city is my Monday through Friday, and if the meetings are my evenings, and if the events are my weekends, it's reasonable to assume that I will have the capacity to go to those things. I don't have children. I'm not married. I don't, um, I'm not going to have a second job. Those inherently lend themselves to have a larger capacity. And I think, like you and I were talking about before we started recording, how can I possibly represent and show up for a community that I don't know? I don't know the answers to everything. I'm not supposed to. But you know who does? Neighborhood leaders. Nonprofit leaders. Social service providers, these are the people that have the answers. Going to neighborhood meetings, going to the district meetings, starting fourth district meetings again. These are huge things that we have to be doing. We don't have a choice. Our city is set for another building and population boom. Most metrics will tell you that. We have to have a council who's willing and able and has the capacity to rise to that occasion. And so... Having Kansas City be my full-time job, I think, is my is the one thing that I will be able to promise people before I get there. Are you prepared to work alongside people on city council that maybe you don't agree with? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's such an interesting question. I've been asked that a couple of times. You know, the thing is, is, as I always say to people, I don't have to agree with you to have a conversation with you. Right now... We're seeing council people who take things personally when somebody doesn't agree. And then when they take it personally, they vote against somebody's project on purpose. I've watched it happen. I watch it live as I go to the council chamber and I'm there. Two things campaign is going to bring to City Hall. One, collaborative effort. I've been meeting with every at-large candidate throughout the districts so that I can get to know their priorities, their visions, and their plans. Because getting into that chamber and being strangers with everybody does everybody a disservice, including the, including our constituents. The second one is graceful dissension, being able to agree to disagree, which we have completely lost sight of doing. And I, th- I don't know if it's my experience working in some really high-pressure environments I, I, where, the, where the options to not get along wasn't there. Um, I don't know if it's that or, 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 or if it's because I just have a cooler sense of, 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 of things, but I don't have to agree with you to have a conversation with you. There are council people that I don't agree with on 60% of issues, but I still greatly enjoy these people. 
because we're able to have a conversation and we don't take it personally. And I think that is how, that is how you start compromise. That's how you start getting things done. Because like I said moments ago, we, our, our future, we don't have a choice. Our future depends on us getting along and moving things forward in, in the direction it needs to be. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> Abby, no, I feel like, I feel like I just, I'm just so, I love this place so much. And I, and it's, and, and, and if you're listening to this for the first time, you're probably rolling your eyes. But for me, it's the truth. I love it. I love it more than I could possibly describe to anybody in any space. It is my home. And to be able to represent it and lead it in public service would be one of the greatest joys in my life. And I mean that genuinely. I mean that. Um, so I think if, you know, if, if you're excited, if you're as excited as I am, um, check out our website, justinshortforkc.com. Send me an email, justinshortforkc at gmail.com. Look me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, justinshortforkc. It's all there. Um, I'd love to hear from you and I'm, I'm excited for the next phase of Kansas City. Thank you so much for joining us for the Northeast Newscast. It was lovely to be here. Thank you, Abby. And thank you once again to our sponsors, Jamaica's Online Market in Delhi and Seaberg Mufflers. For all our Northeast Newscast episodes, articles, and more, visit northeastnews.net. For the Northeast News, I'm Abby Hoover. Hoover.